Good morning. Welcome to podcast number 11. Today we will be comparing and contrasting two stories. Maybe you're familiar with these stories. We're going to begin with the story of the rich young ruler. Starting right there, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. At an early age, he had money and power. And with that said, he was a good young man. He sought eternal life. And he approaches the Savior and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Now consider that statement. He wants to know what he needs to do to have eternal life. We know faith without works is dead. We also know that works without faith doesn't work. Do we get to heaven by earning our way through our works alone? We all know there can't, we can't be perfected. We can't return to Heavenly Father without our Savior. In Matthew 19, 17, it is also an interesting verse. The Savior replies, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, and that is God. Now, the Savior isn't saying he isn't good. He was sinless, perfect, and good. Elder McConkie commented that perhaps the meaning is this. Why callest thou me good without accepting me as the Son of God? For none is good but God, and I am good as thou sayest, then I am God and should be accepted as such. This is important because it indicates that the important element in obtaining eternal life may be missing in this man's life, the Savior. Remember, he's rich, and likely his mindset is that of an earner. His question also leads us to believe that. He wants to know what else should be on his list of to-dos that he may earn eternal life. The Savior tells him to obey the commandments and then lists the commandments. And the young man responds that he does all those things already and has from his youth. And then he asks, what lack I yet? And that's a good question for us to ask throughout our lives. We're here to grow and he's here to help grow us. We all want perfection and we can become perfect, but we can't do it without the Savior. The Savior tells the man, if thou wilt be perfect, go and sell all that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. Perfection for this man. Do a couple things. Rid yourself of those things which hold your heart, money and wealth, and let your heart turn to me, the Savior. The Savior's the way to perfection, and the only way to perfection. He can't earn his way to heaven. He has works. He needs faith. <clears throat> Come follow me. It's always about the good master more than the good thing. Remember, the man asked what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The man leaves sorrowful because he had great possessions. He chooses not to change his heart. He chooses to turn away from the Savior 
instead of following the Savior. Then Jesus teaches, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. So consider a big lumpy camel. Can you shove that big animal through the eye of a needle? He's making it quite clear by exaggeration in the context of what just happened with the young rich man. When your heart is centered on gaining riches, when your life is centered on your wealth, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. It's all about your heart. When the Savior is the center of your life, when you follow him, he will, through the atonement, make it possible for you to return to Heavenly Father, for you to be worthy and perfected. Now let's contrast that story with the blind man. In Mark 10, 46-52, we read of a man named Bartimaeus, who is blind. He was sitting by the highway begging. He hears that Jesus is coming, and he begins to cry out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. People around him told him to be quiet, but he persisted and cried out even louder. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. <clears throat> the man comes to him, and Jesus says to the man, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? Now that's, that's interesting. What should I do for you? And the blind man answers, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus restores his sight, telling him that his faith has made him whole. And the man immediately receives his sight and follows Jesus in the way. So let's contrast those two stories. We've got the rich ruler, what can I do? We've got the blind man, Savior, have mercy on me. He knows he needs the Savior to be whole. The rich ruler, the Savior invites him to come follow me. The blind man, the Savior activates the man's faith by asking him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man knows he needs the Savior. The rich ruler turns away from the Savior. The blind man follows Jesus in the way. It's less about what we can do and more about what he can do. Faith without works is dead. It's like a rowboat with no oars. Works without faith is dead. It's like oars without a rowboat. Elder Bednar gave a talk in October of 2018 conference entitled Gather Together in One, All Things in Christ. I want to share a few thoughts from that talk that we might further understand the lessons taught in these two stories. He says the purpose and purification, the happiness and joy, the continuing conversion and protection that come from yielding our hearts unto God and receiving his image in our countenances cannot be obtained merely by performing and checking off the spiritual things we are supposed to do. Rather, the power of the Savior's gospel to transform and bless us flows from discerning and applying the inner relatedness 
of its doctrines, principles, and practices. Only as we gather together in one all things in Christ with firm focus upon him can gospel truths synergistically enable us to become what God desires us to become and endure valiantly to the end. True faith is focused in and on the Lord Jesus Christ, in him as the divine and only begotten Son of the Father, and on him and the redemptive mission he fulfilled. Exercising faith in Christ is trusting and placing our confidence in him as our Savior, on his name, and in his promises. As we exercise faith in and on the Lord, we naturally turn toward, come unto, and depend upon him. Now remember, the rich young man turned away, and the blind man turned toward the Savior. He goes on to say, Elder Bednar, each of us must rely wholly upon the merits of him who is mighty to save, because only through the merits and mercy and grace of the Holy Messiah can we become new creatures in Christ and ultimately return and dwell in the presence of God. The ordinance of baptism by immersion for the remission of sins requires us to trust in him, rely upon him, and follow him. The ordinance of laying on of hands for the gift of the Holy Ghost requires us to trust in him, rely upon him, follow him, and press forward in him with the assistance of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> the rich young ruler should have trusted in him and on him, relied upon him, followed him, pressed forward with him, rather in sadness, he turned away from him. The blind man trusted in and on him, relied upon him, followed him, and pressed forward with him. So the take-home lesson, what will we choose? The good master or the good thing? Challenge questions. High school. In the parable of the laborers in the vineyard, Found in Matthew 21 through 16, what was the question or situation that prompted the parable? Middle school, what did Peter sacrifice to follow the Savior? Elementary school, why did the Savior heal the vision of the blind beggar man? Preschool, when the disciples tried to stop the little children from being brought to the Savior, Jesus wanted them to come to Kim. Why? Okay, we have one last thing to discuss. It's the parable of the laborers in the vineyard. This is the story of a householder, or God, hiring laborers, us, to work in the vineyard, the Lord's kingdom on earth, and some were hired to work all day, some in the third hour, some in the sixth, some in the ninth, and some in the eleventh. And you'll remember, regardless of when they were hired, they all get the same wage. So what's the work to be done in the Lord's kingdom? It's to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man. 
We are to minister, encourage, inspire, invite, share, work diligently with friends and family to strengthen others in their journey to come unto Christ. The most important of this work is in our own family. Do we use kind words? Do we look to the needs of others? Do we avoid contention? It's our job to lift others up, not to size them up. The parable is not one of fairness and justice. It's about the goodness of God. Henry B. Eyring in April 2015 conference said, it will not be the offices held or the time served that will be weighed in the balance with the Lord. We know this from the Lord's parable of the laborers in the vineyard, where the pay was the same regardless of how long they served or where. They will be rewarded for how they served. And Elder Neil A. Maxwell said, We have been called to his vineyard, not just to admire, but to perspire. Not to ooh and ah, but to ho and saw. We are the 11th hour workers. Let's start in our homes, in our families. We need not be the rich young man who turns away. But like the blind man, we will heed the call to come follow me. Have a great week, everyone.